Well, it's nice to have the whole family here, and uh, we are uh, celebrating for about a month here. We are, our anniversary is actually August the 10th, but this is when the family could be here, so we've got a month of celebration. Wow, for 50 years of marriage. I guess, I guess that deserves it. I don't know, 50 years? Yeah. I can't believe it's been that long. Somebody said to me, well, you must have married your wife when she was about 12. I said, uh, don't tell anybody I'll get arrested. Yeah, okay. Hey, uh, another announcement we didn't get earlier, I want to make sure you know, uh, the youth have a garden, and, and they've been growing vegetables, and they're going to be selling those vegetables. Well, it's really a donation base, right? You know, it's not a price on each piece, but uh, you can take out what you want, put some money in. Uh, there's also some flowers out there you can uh, help uh, with their support. Uh, the money will go to their support of a compassion child. So, uh Check that out. That'll be available each week during the summer. So be, be taking advantage of that. Also wanted to mention about the, the parenting class starting up next week. Um, if you haven't signed up, I uh, encourage you to do so. Uh, we'll be getting together uh, for the class at uh, 4.30. And uh, Betty and I will be kind of leading the first session. Um, and then uh, we'll have some supper together and just a fun time. And uh, there'll be child care available. So uh, make sure you check that out. Never can know enough about parenting. Uh, after 50 years of marriage, uh, we're certainly not experts, but we've learned a couple of things. And, um, and the big deal is uh, none of us really know it all, ever. We're always in a process. Uh, but yet God's with us, and that's the best part. So we'll have a good time talking together. Well, today uh, I'm really excited about this passage. I appreciate Brian, Brian uh, continuing our Hebrew study last week and talking about uh, entering into God's rest and uh, God's desire for that, the importance of the Word of God, as we read at the last part of that section, uh, a very important passage about God's use of His Word uh, to get to us, <laughs> to get into the depth of who we are. You know, uh, it really gets down to the deep part. Um, sometimes I don't like reading the Word of God. Because it hurts, right? I mean, I, I, I like it because it gets me where I need to go, but I don't always like the experience, right? And, and there are times where it is sort of painful. But, you know, I, I need to have the, the attitude that, hey, I, I need to enter into God's rest. And it's interesting that that passage comes in there. Uh, when we're talking about God's rest, that it talks about piercing into us to get us there. Um, the Lord is good, right? He, he's at work. He's our good heavenly father. He knows what's best for us. Talk about parenting, right? And, and he parents us. And, and, and oftentimes uh, there are things that, that come across to us that, that are tough. But it gets us to where the Lord wants us to if we'll let him. And so we need to enter into his rest. Uh, and that basically means letting go, letting him have his way, and resting in him. Yeah. So that leads us to this passage today. Uh, the author of Hebrews is from the beginning has been talking about the significance of Jesus, the Son, uh, nothing, no one ever has been like him. He alone is the Messiah. He alone is the one that we trust in for salvation. He alone is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. And the author of Hebrews has been pointing out that he's greater than the angels, greater than Moses, greater, greater, greater. And so today, as we get to this three-verse section, it really is the consummation of what we've been reading from verse, uh, chapter 3 and chapter 4. And uh, 
You know, we've had warnings not to harden your hearts like the people of Israel did, and we've had warnings, uh, you know, to not let our minds and thoughts go to evil things, but to stay and focused on Jesus. And here we find a tremendously encouraging passage in the midst of all this challenge and warning. And I'm just excited to preach this section today. It is just, well, it is so precious. It's the Word of God to us right where you are. And I hope that you will go out of here today just realizing how much God loves you, how much He wants you to know His grace and His mercy in your life, how much He will help you if you will come to Him. That's the message, and I'm going to just try to talk more about it as we go on. Now, one of the things that this writer of Hebrews has been talking about recently in the sections preceding this is about Jesus being the great high priest. When you think of a priest, what do you think of? Who is a priest? In the culture that we find ourselves in today, Webster's online defines fits someone who is authorized to perform the sacred rites of a religion especially as a mediatory agent between humans of God, humans and God, specifically an Anglican, Eastern Orthodox, or Roman Catholic clergy person ranking below a bishop and above a deacon. What a definition. But I think, you know, as I think about that, that's what I think of. I think about a priest wearing a clerical collar or a robe and some traditions celibate, being wholly dedicated to their calling as a spiritual minister. And certainly... Um, there's a lot of respect. I mean, sometimes in our culture there's not. But, but I don't know, if I see somebody wearing that clothing, I think the general tendency is, wow, that, that's a person that's very serious about faith. You know, even if they're not of the Christian faith. There are priests in the uh, Buddhist situation and all that, monks and all that. But, uh, you know, when the Bible talks about priest and high priest, it's referring actually to the Old Testament high priest and um, to the people receiving this letter to the Hebrews, they would have thought of the high priest position designated by God to the people of Israel. A little picture there of what he might have looked like, okay? Um, in Exodus 28, God sets aside Moses' brother Aaron and his descendants to be priests in Israel. Uh, they were to wear special garments that identified them and had significant meaning as to their role. There was a special ordination ceremony for them to be recognized by the people. And they were to offer sacrifices regularly on the altar morning and evening. And once a year, the Day of Atonement, the high priest, the, the top one, would purify himself and his family by sacrificing a bull as a sin offering and following other guidelines so that when he went into the Holy of Holies to make sacrifice for all the peoples, he would not die. He then would sacrifice a goat and purify the altar and the tabernacle. Then he would place his hands on a goat and transfer the sins of the people to the goat. Such we get the term scapegoat, right? And then the goat would be driven into the wilderness, carrying the people's sins into a desert land. Yom Kippur, done once a year. But the author of Hebrews states in this verse, the verses we're looking at today, we 
have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Let's take a look at the passage. Open your Bibles, please, to Hebrews chapter 4. We're reading verses 14 to 16. I'm in the New Living Translation. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Wow. What a precious section. So let's start there on the whole focus of Jesus being our great high priest. And he's great because he's the son of God. No one else, no other priest has been in that category. <laughs> they have been a created being by God. They have been of the human race, also fallen, and creatures affected by the fallen nature of humanity since the fall in the Garden of Eden. Every human priest is like you and me, all right? They represented the people, but they did not have what was needed for our total redemption. They could offer a sacrifice annually by God's prescription that he would not bring his wrath upon the people because of them following what he said. But it was never to be the way. It was to be the example that it could not do what we really needed to be done. But you see, Jesus, the great high priest, he has done what was needed in all time. And he has done what was needed for all time. It is a once and done situation. And he has entered heaven. The, the, the high priest... The high priest, of course, entered the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle, the special place that nobody was allowed to go where God's presence was. Only once a year could he go in there. And certainly, God was showing his people that he was present with them, but he wasn't present in them. What a difference it is today. <laughs> what a difference Jesus has made. The high priest who has not only gone into heaven and, and able to be there in the presence of God, but also able to fully atone for all of the people who choose him as their Savior. Amen. And therefore, God's Holy Spirit can dwell in his people. He is with us. He's always wanted to be really with us. That's why God continued to pursue his people. That's why God chose a people to be the people that his son would come through. God has always been about pursuing us. Aren't you glad? Because we're not too good about pursuing God. We really aren't. It is God's grace and mercy that is at the top of it all. So Jesus has offered himself as a sacrifice here on earth, but has entered heaven. Not, not the holy place that didn't remain holy, eventually went away, but the dwelling place of God that is eternally perfect, 
He is there representing us. He is there interceding for us. The earthly high priest entered the Holy of Holies once a year to represent people, seeking forgiveness of sin. But Jesus has entered into the eternal presence of God, being God himself, part of the Trinity, representing us as the sacrifice for our sins for all time. And then the author goes on to say that this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. Now, certainly the human high priest understood the weaknesses of people, being one himself. Uh, knowing that uh, even though we might be pursuers of God, that we aren't perfect. <laughs> we fail all the time. Why, why would there need to be an annual event? Why would there need to be daily sacrifice? Well, because there was constant sinning taking place. And by the way, there still is, right? Even for those of us who know the Lord, there's still a struggle with our nature, <laughs> the flesh, the devil, the world around us. But yet, we have the high priest who has taken care of what we have done in failing God in the past, in the present, and in the future. And he knows what it is to be human. He's not just a far off. He's not just uh, telling us that he understands. <laughs> well, you know, some people say that. Well, I'm, you know, you've gone through a tough time, right? And they say, well, I, I really understand. Well, we know when we're going through a tough time that somebody else really doesn't understand. I mean, they might want to understand. They might want to show you compassion. It's a wonderful thing. But nobody understands your situation like you do because it's personal. It's you you're in the midst of it. And even though they might have experienced something like it, and God allows us to experience things so we can comfort each other. I mean, we're told in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 that, that, you know, God is the God of comfort. He comforts us in our trials so that in the comfort we receive, we can then comfort others with that which we've received. So, I mean, it is a godly thing to encourage, to help, to show comfort, to try to understand, be empathetic. But we don't really understand the other person's situation. It's personal. But Jesus is different. This word says that Jesus understands your weaknesses because he experienced them all. Now that blows my mind. That Jesus really, I mean, think about what things you went through this week. Think about some family struggles that are going on. You say, well, Jesus wasn't married. He must not know. The Bible says he does. He experienced the dynamics of the relationship issues that you know in the fullness that you experience. You've wrestled with some sin this week. Ever think about that? That Jesus really wrestled with those same sins? It's like, really? Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. The Bible says he did. He knows. He experienced it all. He understands 
our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testings we do. What's the word there? All. Right? There's not a testing that a human being has or will experience that Jesus Christ, our Savior, did not experience. Not a one. And it says, yet he did not sin. Hmm. Faced all the same testings we do, yet did not sin. Every temptation, every test that every human being has faced, but he did not sin. Some might say, well, since he didn't sin, it must not be quite the same as what I have experienced since I have sinned. Well, it's not really true because his experience of temptation was extreme. At the beginning of his ministry, he was led into the desert by the Holy Spirit to be tempted by the devil. The Spirit of God led our Savior into the devil for the sake of into the desert for the sake of being tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days. He was humanly weak, but he did not fall into sin when he was tempted. And by not sinning, he faced the full impact of temptation. Ray Stedman stated in his commentary, Jesus exceeds us in his awareness of the power of temptation. You see, only the sinless could experience the full intensity of temptation, for the sinful yield before the limit of temptation is reached. Jesus is the great high priest. He's the greatest. He, he's everything we need for salvation. He, he understands us. You ever hear that old hymn, No One Understands like Jesus. Some of you have been in some pretty tough spots. But Jesus is there with you. And he understands your weaknesses, your hurts, your tests, your trials. And he has gained victory on your behalf. He already was the great high priest and high king and perfect one. Uh, that has never changed, but he came here for you. For you and for me. Hallelujah. He's the everything we need for salvation, for forgiveness of sin, and a secure relationship with God. So, so what is our response? Well, the author of this passage makes it very clear. He says, since these things are true, since we have a high priest who has entered heaven, and, and since um, he has understood our weaknesses and faced all the same testings we do, yet didn't sin, he tells us what we're to do. Well, the first thing you find in verse 14, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Hold firmly to what we believe. Well, what is it we believe that we're to hold firmly to? Well, the letter is continuously pointed the readers to Jesus as the perfect Son of God who became one of us, that He is the Word of God. We are to hold firmly to Jesus, and we do so by listening to Him through His Word. 
We just read that last week in the verse 12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. The word of God. God has given us his word. We have it. We're, we're looking at it today. We're reading it. We're, we're consuming it. We're, we're thinking about it. We're allowing it to speak to us so that we can hold firmly to what we believe. If you're believing something that's different than is in here, the warning is you're on the wrong path. Check what you believe by what God has given us. He has not left us without information. <laughs> he has told us what we need to know, right? And that's why you're here today, right? <laughs> you believe this. You want to know more about what God says. You want that to apply to your life. But not just on Sunday morning at 1030, I hope. <laughs> I hope, I hope, I hope. During the week study groups that you're in, fellowships with other believers, spending time in the Word of God. That's where our beliefs are settled and secure. Oh, it's easy to wander if we're not in the Word. So easy. You try to make it on your own, and you are headed down a path that's not good. And the Lord doesn't want that for you. He's given us His Word. He's given us His Son. He's given us the Spirit. It's not necessary that we wander, even though we're prone to do so. Stay in the belief. Stay strong. Hold firm. Make a decision to hold firm. Because what we do here, from here, will determine everything else we do. Make sure you're believing the right thing, not what the culture tells you or what you think is right, but what God says is right. The truth found in Jesus alone. But pastor, that's so narrow. Yes, it is. Jesus said there's only one way. I'm just telling you what the Word of God tells us. I'm just telling you what He says is true. I'm telling you what is true so that you find the right way. This is important. This is essential. Then the writer gives us further guidance as to our response when he says in verse 16, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Boldly. Some of your translations say come with confidence, right? Come confidently, right? Same, same idea, same thought. Come with confidence. Not, not in our own qualifications to do so. Like, here I am, God, aren't I great? <laughs> That's not going to work, right? God puts down the haughty, <laughs> but he lifts up the humble. Yeah. No, we don't come on our own qualifications. Certainly he loves us just as we are. He loves us continually. That never ceases. No matter what you've done won't change God's love for you. No matter how much extra you might try to do, that won't change God's love for you. It's consistent. And it's not about what we do anyway. 
You see, it's not our qualifications, but it's as the author has been telling us all these chapters, it's because of Jesus. Since Jesus is our high priest and has won victory over sin for us, we can come boldly. It's an invitation of what would not have been ours except for Christ. But because of Christ, it's wide open. You know, when he died on that cross, that curtain that separated the people from the Holy of Holies was torn in half, and it was completely open. What a shock to the religious leaders. But why? Because the throne of our gracious God is now available to all who believe in Jesus. When he died, his blood was sufficient to pay for all of the sins. And he rose again to prove it's true. So we are here today to celebrate that. We're here today to experience that opportunity to come boldly to God, our gracious God. You know, it's important it says gracious, right? Because our God is gracious, he lets us come in because of what Jesus has done for us. Yeah. Our high priest has won victory over sin for us. Because of Jesus, we have an eternal relationship with God as sons and daughters. We can come confident in that relationship. This is the throne of our gracious God. It is because of his grace that we come. And when we do come, we will receive some very special things. We will receive his mercy. Mercy, mercy is not getting what we do deserve. You ever want for some mercy? When you were a kid and you did something your parents told you not to do, uh, you didn't think you're probably going to get mercy, right? Sometimes you did. I was just telling my gang that um, I was out with my dad's car on a Saturday night with my buddies my 66 Chevy Impala, woo, with a power glide transmission. That thing was a dog. 283. I had a friend that had a 62 Impala. We were out on a back road on a Saturday night, and let's said, let's race these things. I remember being in the wrong lane of the road thinking, I hope nobody comes around that corner. I can't remember who won. I think we were pretty close. But I remember on the way home that the car went, <laughs> and I thought, I am in the deep, deep weeds here. So I go home and I say, hey, Dad, the car's not running very good. And my dad said, were you racing that car? And I boldly said to him, no. Now, why do you think I said no? Because I didn't think I was going to get any mercy. And I wanted to keep driving that car. Now, I want to tell you something. I think my dad knew that I probably had been racing that thing. Why would he ask that question to start with? So he says, well, we got to fix this thing. We, you get the we thing? So we are in working with my dad fixing this car, and we, well, some, I won't go into all the details. But anyway, we spent quite a bit of time. It was a blessing to me in some ways that he didn't let me have what I deserved. 
Mainly I lied my way out of it, right? But I really didn't. I'm still telling you the truth today, right? It's funny you can't forget those things, isn't it? Yeah. Well, we can come to our Heavenly Father without being afraid. We can come to Him with whatever messes we've made. We can come to Him and be totally honest. And what's He going to give us? Mercy. Not because we deserve it, but because He loves us. I, I can't get enough of that. I can't fully grasp it. Matter of fact, neither could the Apostle Paul. Neither could the people he prayed for. He kept praying in Ephesians, you know, I just pray that you'll be able to grasp and understand the, the width, the height, the depth of the love of God and Christ for you. That's God's desire that we'll know how much he loves us. And we find it when we come boldly to him in the midst of our messes. The devil says, don't go there. He knows all you did and he's going to give it to you. Not true. He already paid for what you've done. Fully paid for. It is finished. I think I might be hearing, even though not vocally, a few hallelujahs from your heads. I can hear your heads. <laughs> Ooh, that's scary, Pastor. All right. When we receive his mercy which includes pardon for our sins, freedom from guilt, his full acceptance. Then we live in the fullness of his mercy. Our guilt and the devil's lies can try to keep us from coming, but we must come, for it is then we receive mercy. It is in coming to God just as we are that we realize the true freedom we have and that he wants us to know and experience that on a regular basis. It doesn't say it's limited to one time a year. Does it? My Bible doesn't say that. It just says come. All the time. I got to tell you, I don't come enough to the throne of mercy. But I need to because that's where I find his mercy. And then he says, we will find grace to help us when we need it. Now, mercy, as I said, is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. We get both of those things in this wonderful place of the throne room of God as we come to him. Grace helps us know that we're loved by God. Grace helps us move beyond our failures. Grace helps us keep walking with God and finding victory in life. Grace helps us to do what we think we can't do, to have a completely different perspective on life. Grace opens the door to new horizons and ultimately to heaven. You know, you were never meant to be an outsider. The writer of Hebrews says, come on in. I remember my days in high school. I was a good student, a top musician. Thought I was pretty hot sometimes. But down deep, 
down deep, even though I had good friends and good fun, I also felt like an outsider much of the time. I was not in the in crowd. I see a lot of heads bobbing. I wasn't a high-profile jock or top of the class or popular. You know, that's a, it's a tough thing as an adolescent particularly. But it's with us all of life, <laughs> feeling intimidated, uncomfortable, <laughs> self-aware, not sure what others are thinking. It's a part of our lives that we must face, not only in high school, but throughout. And that feeling, that thought, often drives us to try to find a place where we are no longer on the outside. It drives us to achieve, to, to prove others wrong, that I really am somebody, that I, I really can do something, I really can perform greater than somebody else, and that I am more than you think I am. To show him what really is true. But you know, even when we do some of those things in pursuing and achieving and reaching heights and goals that we've set, we still often feel empty and on the outside. But that's because the only place we really know that we're not an outsider is when we're in the presence of God. He doesn't want us to find our comfort in the things of this world. And we'll always be ill at ease, even when we appear to have it together, if we're not one of His. If we're not in His presence. If we're not coming in through Christ. He has opened the door for us to come in and be an insider with the one who is most important. And our access to the inside is not something we have to attain through our performance, our appearance, or our qualifications. It is through our high priest, Jesus, who has done it all for us. And through him, we are now on the inside. But we must come on in regularly. We must live in the place that is now ours. We must keep coming into the throne of our gracious God. And when we receive his mercy and grace, we will no longer have to be driven to attain position in this world. We have the most important relationship there is, and it is forever. So, let's do what we're told to do. Come boldly. Don't be shy. Don't live like it isn't true. Don't live without what you already have. I think many are living as outsiders when we already have a place on the inside. Don't live like a pauper when you already are a child of the King. Come boldly and receive. This is an old hymn. You might know it. I'd like you to help me sing it. We don't have any accompaniment. But I just think it fits so well. 
what we're talking about here. So I'm going to try to get it started, okay? Come every soul by sin oppressed, there's mercy with the Lord, and He will surely give you rest by trusting in His Word. Only trust Him, only trust Him, only trust Him now. He will save you, He will save you, He will save you now. Let's pray. Hmm. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for all that you have done that we realize that we could never, ever attain we could never even think could be possible on our own. But you have put the sin of us on your son. And he has fully paid for it on the cross. And through faith and belief in him, we have forgiveness of sins and everlasting life. And we have a relationship with you that is beyond our comprehension. But you want us to come. Come on in. That we will know you more. That we will know your mercy. That we will know your grace. And that you will help us in our time that we need it the most. That you're there. Forgive us, Lord, where we've, we've tried to handle things on our own. And we, we've stayed outside when we need to be on the inside. Help us today and every day to come that that will come into your presence. We'll come in prayer. We'll come in our thoughts. We'll come with our hearts. We'll come as we read your word. And we'll allow you to be the Father that you really are of us. Help us to realize the depth of your love. Help us to realize the, the wonder of the payment you've made. Help us to step inside that place you've made for us we would know your help today and every day. For we're helpless, Lord, without you. But we are so wonderfully helped by you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand with us today. Sing with us, Grand Earth. Grand Earth,
It's a special uh, weekend. You probably know that, right? You got your fireworks ready and everything. Happy birthday, America. Wow. How many years? 200 more. 247. All right, 247. Uh, Tim, he remembers when we first started, right? Okay. No. Oh, Tim, well, he's going to get me later. All right. Yeah. Hey, I hope you have a wonderful time. Um, this week, I'm going to be pretty much off. Uh, family's here all week, so uh, if there's an emergency, I'll be available, but other than that, I'm going to be hanging with the family. Um, I'll be here next Sunday, but I'll be off during the week, so uh, 
I hope you all have a great week, and uh, God bless you. Love you all, and especially more important, God loves you all. All right, see you.